Hello, everyone, and welcome, welcome to Marlin's Corner. Truly hope you enjoyed that new intro. Uh, Eming has been on on me about getting some of my things in order for this podcast to work. So the theme song was one of them. I know she's a huge fan of the theme song. She absolutely loves it. So uh, for the show this week, it's going to do three little topics to kind of get you through your day. Uh, we'll be covering just a small uh, updates on E3. We're going to talk about the, the In the Heights uh, controversy, and then we'll end with um, a teacher uh, kind of focused for all you folks that might be in education or know someone who's in education, so we'll look out for that one. But first things first, uh, E3, um, remote, live stream. Uh, definitely, you know, par for the course. Uh, they definitely still have to be, you know, careful for, uh, you know, COVID procedures and COVID protocols. So that's understandable. I will say, though, unfortunately, this E3, uh, just with uh, the content that was displayed, wasn't the best uh, E3. Um, but again, there were some stars of the show, but not enough to honestly make a uh, make it worth watching all of it. Um, I, I definitely should have waited till the day after just to catch the trailers that were featured as opposed to watching it uh, like it was an important thing to watch because it was not. Um, but big thing to take away is that in October, it's definitely going to be Broketober. There are a lot of fun titles coming out in October, so definitely start saving now for all those fun games you want to play. A few things that definitely were of interest from E3 um, definitely have to be um, Nintendo gave us some updates on Zelda. It's titled Zelda Breath of the Wild 2. They have stated that they uh, are not going to give out the real title just yet. They want to definitely give it a little time. They definitely gave us the hint that the title uh, gives away what the game happens to be about. So that's very interesting to see them say that. They also have Metroid 5, a.k.a. Metroid Dread, coming out in uh, October. Uh, October 8th is coming out. Metroid comes out, and it's going to be exciting. Of course, it's going to be a Switch exclusive, no doubt. And it's going to be very interesting. We haven't seen a Metroid game in a very long time, and I'm sure uh, you, like me, have enjoyed playing the last few games with Samus and the crew. So looking forward to donning the Metroid outfit and shooting up some aliens. We'll see who's the new big bad. Really was definitely top tier. Another few games that came out that I think were interesting, of course. I definitely want to give a shout out to Outer Worlds 2. Really great tongue-in-cheek trailer. Um, they definitely called out the fact that at this point, most developers don't really show off too much other than a very expensive uh, trailer that'll probably be a cutscene. And they kind of called out like, hey, most of the stuff you see in these trailers or these cutscenes are not going to, uh, or in these trailers are probably not going to be in the game exactly. But we want to just, you know, drum up some pre-orders by getting you excited. So they definitely were very tongue-in-cheek. And that came across very, I think, well-received. Uh, definitely in the, in the live stream chat, there are, there's a lot of love for uh, for that call-out of the whole E3 culture. So big ups to, to y'all. Bethesda did a great thing. Bethesda and Xbox definitely were the winners of this whole thing. You do not know Xbox has the Game Pass, which um, similar to PlayStation's PlayStation Plus, uh, you know, it's a subscription-based system that gives you access to games, unlike Sony or over at the PlayStation side of things, Game Pass on Xbox gives you access to a lot of games. Um, they definitely are throwing crowd favorites at you. 
And with this recent link up with Bethesda, they definitely are showing off a lot of these Xbox exclusive games that are going to be coming out, as well as going back into the catalog of Bethesda and re-releasing over 30 titles currently just for a Game Pass. So they definitely are really flexing um, their win right now. Uh, Game Pass is definitely up there when it comes to reasons why uh, folks would definitely get an Xbox. So shout out to, to that. It was a great merger, and it was really great to distract folks to how awful Fallout 76 was, which, again, but there's a still pushing, still pushing Fallout 76. Definitely dropped the uh, the quote of the night for them, I think, was the fact that they mentioned that Fallout 76 was uh, one of the most popular games on Game Pass. So that was very was an interesting uh, assessment Definitely uh, coded language. I love how they use one of the, we don't really know if this is true or not, but it's just, it's very interesting hyperbole to throw out there for everyone to see. I will say that the loser of V3, which I think if, you know, you checked out the other podcast, definitely was uh, Square Enix. I do not know what happened with that. It was just, it was just very disappointing. A lot, I think two of their uh, major properties, uh, I'm not sure what was going on with the footage uh, or why they chose to show the footage they chose to show. A lot of the games just look really chunky. They looked very old, looked like they might have been remastered versions of a PlayStation 2 game. Uh, which, again, if you're at E3 in 2021, there's a lot of high-quality games that are being dropped, and you got to know how to stand out. And the games they released uh, did not look great. There's a lot of um, comments in the, in the live stream regarding how lame the game Babylon Fall looked, uh, as well as their uh, Final Fantasy Origin game, uh, Stranger in Paradise, which... Again, uh, in combination with bad dialogue, just a really cheesy cutscenes. Uh, it's very chaotic since this homeboy's looking for chaos and he mentions chaos uh, upwards of 10 times. And this trailer became really laughable and comical. And y'all got to fix that square Enix. It was really disappointing. But yeah, that's just some snippets of E3, some games you should check out. Um, definitely want to give a shout out to. Um, I believe it's called uh, the, the studio Redfall. The this new game coming out, Redfall, looks like a Borderlands type game. You got four characters who are uh, have separate capabilities and powers, and they're shooting vampires. So hey, what's not to love about that game? You get to be some very angsty teen taking down uh, vampires. So look out for Redfall. It should be dropping, I believe, summer twenty twenty two. But yes, check out all the things. E3 was very long and very uh, detailed this year. So please check that out. Uh, and just let me know if there's any game you're excited for by you know reaching out to me on Instagram or the Geek Force podcast on Facebook. The second topic we're going to touch on briefly. Uh, if you know me personally, you know that I have a love of musicals. Definitely have had a love of musicals for a very long time. And when I heard that In the Heights was coming out on HBO Max, definitely was excited to see that. Um, I do think that I'm hoping it's a trend we see with a lot of popular Broadway shows, especially when it comes to these ones that are really expensive to get into, that take years to even see. I think it's important to connect that art form to everyone. And the way to do that is, you know, these live adaptations that come on 
movies and uh, are, are far more accessible than dropping hundreds of dollars on a mezzanine ticket. So I do hope that we do see a trend of these shows coming out on some visual format that's accessible just to, to every person who can't afford to you know get dressed up and go watch a matinee. So definitely hoping this was, we see more of this. And we're definitely excited that it was in the Heights. Um, lots of amazing songs, uh, a great story overall just about um, living your life, finding those dreams, and, you know, achieving them through sheer will, determination, passion. So I definitely loved that portrayal and this movie form. It definitely is two hours long, folks. Two hours long. So it does feel like a play. You might need to get an intermission in the middle of that to kind of walk around a bit because it's, it's a very chunky film. Um Songs are great. Uh, definitely, he Lin-Manuel used a lot of his friends from Hamilton. If you do not know, In the Heights is a play that Lin-Manuel was involved with. It's one of his um, earlier plays that got him some Tony nods. So definitely one of his more successful plays. And in it, he's also, he also features a lot of the performers from Hamilton. Uh, you get a chance to, of course, see that Usnavi Us uh, is also the individual from Hamilton, one of the three uh, friends before they get murdered. Uh, and then, of course, you have uh, George Washington is also makes an appearance in this from the Hamilton play. So there's lots of like, oh, I know that person, or oh, we look familiar what's happening in this film. Uh, and again, music's fantastic. Love the the actors that are in there. They're very uh, authentic. I have, there definitely are some moments where you'll you know be brought to tears. So look out for that. But otherwise, I do think check it out. Give it a chance. Mark out some time of day. Get some popcorn ready. It's a very fun film, and it's just a very beautifully uh, choreographed film. Music is just stirring, and it just gets you. All wrapped up in your feels. Uh, I will say, though, with that success, with that notoriety, there definitely comes with it some criticisms that a lot of folks are bringing up in regards to the lack of uh, Afro-Latinas in this film, um, specifically mentioning that, you know, they mentioned the DR, they mentioned Puerto Rico, they mentioned a lot of these countries that tend to have um, darker-skinned individuals with African descent, and that there is a lack of them. Uh, in an interview with one of the individuals who were involved with directing the film, um, this was brought up, and the director made um, a very, uh, not inappropriate, but really uh, silly response, honestly. Um, silly and dangerous response. When, uh, it, when this was brought up, he deflected to, well, the, you know, a lot of the dancers were black or were Afro-Latina uh, or Afro-Latin. And the interviewer, of course, reminded him that it's not uncommon to have Black folks be in films as dancers in the background as opposed to having a leading role. Um, they also called the fact that one of the, the one of the lead role characters is, you know, who, who happens to be uh, Black, is just African-American. He doesn't really have any ties to um, the Dominican culture or the Puerto culture or the culture they were portraying in the film. And so that was definitely brought up, and a lot of folks were kind of looking back at um, past comments from a lot of Afro-Latin actors within Hollywood, specifically an actress named Gina Torres, brought up the fact that Hollywood often when looking for um, Latino women um, or looking for them to look a little bit more Italian as opposed to African. So it isn't surprising when we see a lot of these roles go to fair-skinned individuals who fit the uh, Hollywood ideal of what it means, what, what it means to look like someone that comes from Latin America. So definitely is a trend going on there. I do think it was great that Lynn Miranda finally got, got in front of this when he 
caught wind of what was going on by stating that was a mistake and I need to work forward to doing better and having more representation from individuals that range in skin tone and don't all just look uh, like they're Italian. You know, getting some Afro-Latin actors into these roles and bringing them onto the project. So I think that was great that he got in front of that. I do think that it's one of those moments where uh, it's important to, you know, be called in uh, to the community and, you know, one, celebrate the success, but also to discuss that, hey, you know, here's something that we need to talk about and here's something that needs to be addressed. So hopefully we see that, you know, adjust in the future and make a, a, a change for the better. So fingers crossed for that. Little Miranda, hope you can make it happen. Still like the film, but I am going to be looking forward to seeing in future projects if there's a change in the casting, specifically because we've seen him do this with the Hamilton play, where he found a lot of these amazing African-American actors. So um, we're hoping he can do the same for his um, Hollywood adaptation films in the future. And lastly, friends, we're going to talk about school. Not just, you know, and not college, but K through 12. Uh, if you are an educator or you know someone who is an educator, uh, then you know that currently right now they're probably enjoying a well-deserved break, uh, going on vacation, uh, just really making it that hot girl or hot boy or hot day summer that they have been in need of uh, while teaching during this pandemic. But the back of all that joy in the back of all that happiness and libations, uh, there is a there is a small shadow looming in all of our hearts, and that shadow is a reminder that all those kids who have been out for over a year and a half, all those kids, they will have to be back in school, all of them, full schedule and everything, this upcoming school year. And that, honestly, is the boogeyman at the end of the hallway for a lot of us. We know that right now we're definitely going to make the most of our summer. But we know that come end of July, beginning of August, uh, that boogeyman gets a bit closer. And our nerves and our, our, our calmness is going to just be washed to the wayside with uh, fears of just inadequacy of not knowing if we're going to be able to do enough for them coming back in, not going to know if uh, we're going to be able to provide them the support they're going to need, uh, fully knowing that a lot of our students have been involved in trauma behind the scenes, trauma that has been going on for a year and a half that we haven't been able to fully give them support on, and now they're all going to be back in the building at the exact same time. And it's worrisome. Um, a lot of schools don't have I mean, I'm going to use my school as an example. We don't have a lot of uh, mental health services for every student. We have it for a few, but it's more than likely that we're going to have a lot of students who are going to be returning with a lot of anxiety, like are going to need someone to speak to. And we know our counselors are going to be fully booked on that. And we can only ask our teachers to do so much while not being trained in those services. So there's definitely going to be a lot of concern there and a lot of worry there. As educators, our heart and our minds are always on our students and with our students and in regards to them coming back in person. There's that jubilation that, yay, I get to have you back. You're safe. You're with me. You're in person. Let's do this. But it's also the acknowledgement that it's been so long for, for you and for all the students. 
you know, how are you going to, you know, maintain attention to be in a space to learn? How are you going to, how are you going to feel safe when it's just been you and now you have to, you know, overly manage your body around others that you didn't have to beforehand? So just a lot of fear and a lot of worry in regards to teaching uh, full time after being remote for so long. So definitely, please, if you see your teacher friends out there, give them support, give them some love, uh, give them a drink on that first week back. It's definitely going to be worrisome. But I do think that with this return looming, if you're an admin teacher or if you're a teacher that uh, meets as a lead with your admin over the summer, uh, I know that we are all doing plan after plan to support our students, finding alternate programs, finding uh, certification programs so we can get maybe some supplemental support for our students. I know that as educators, we we hustle in the field of education to meet the needs of our students, one and all. And I know that this is not something that was asked of us, but it's something that we choose to take up for ourselves, but more importantly, for the community we serve. So I do know that we are going to accomplish a lot. And I know it's going to be absolutely tiring. So to all educators, out there that's uh, whether you're in the classroom, outside the classroom, around the classroom, a parent, uh, if you are actively supporting uh, your local community school or your local charter school or however you are seeing yourself being involved in education, uh, lots of love to you, lots of support to you. Let's get through this. Let's make it happen. And let's share ideas. Let's share support because at this point, you know, uh, each one teach one. If you if you got something that works for your school, definitely share it out. Uh, I know a lot of educators right now are doing um, a well-deserved rest, but I do know that in the fall, we're going to just have to link up, uh, whether that's virtually or in person, now that the uh, <laughs> new mass mandate is starting to fall, to, to, starting to, you know, fall apart uh, and people are going straight up no mass out there. Hopefully we can meet up in safety, but definitely reach to one another, support one another, and let's make this uh, a year that's impactful, a year that is student-focused, not only on academic, but on the social-emotional, because these are young men and women. uh, They're going to need a whole lot of love and a whole lot of space to return to the field of education and return to that mindset that comes with actively learning in the classroom. So lots of love to y'all. Uh, thanks for listening, folks. Thanks for being a part of this corner talk. Definitely try to do this more often, uh, especially now that school is over. So I got all this free time now just to worry about next year and also record a podcast so we can channel that energy in the correct way. But I've been Marlon. This has been Marlon's Corner. Uh, tune in next time to see what we're talking about. And also check us out on Geek for us on all the social media or and you can also find me on Instagram at M-M-W-I-L-L-I-F-14 and Will of Fortune on Instagram. Follow me, I'll follow you right back. Have a great day and geek on. This episode of Marlin's Corner was produced in Richmond, California. 